Welcome to the Breakthrough Life the Battlefield podcast series, presented by the Managing Director of Insight Intelligence Group, ex-military and diplomatic security intelligence services specialist, and now best-selling author, Mario Beckish, ambassador and activist for humanity. Ultimately, Life the Battlefield talks about the most important concerns we all have, how to have hope, to cope, how to survive and thrive in 2022 and beyond and invites you to join the conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the radio show and podcast episode, Life the Battlefield with Mario Beckers. Uh, today, it's a true privilege to have my guest, who is in US currently. He's, you know, he tried to become his beautiful chair, but you're going to see it on a video, why I'm saying this beautiful chair. And I'd like to invite uh, Mike, Takua to join us in conversation. So we're recording this on a, on a Zoom, but later on, please come on our website, alive905.com.au, radio station live. And uh, this podcast is going to be available for all of you after 6.30 p.m. Uh, today uh, in Sydney, 4th of May. So, Mike, how are you, Mike? Doing great, Mario. Excited you, to be here. Looking forward to did it. You, did you manage yourself to stay in that chair now, nice and comfy, or...? I'm ready to rock. I'm, I'm ready, in a comfortable position. I've got my feet up. I'm, I'm <laughs> locked and loaded. Mike, I was having pleasure to be on your podcast last week. And, you know, we had, I had an awesome conversation with you. But now, now it's reverse roles, you know, now and you are in a chair to be asked questions or to answer. Um, usually the guests in, between the studio uh, have a different uh, different perception of the radio shows or the podcast and anything else, but you're very familiar. But for the all listeners, who is the Mike Takua? Who is the Mike? And if I pronounce it, sorry. So can you just introduce yourself to all listeners, you know, where you are today in the US? First of all, what's the time where you're right now? Yeah, so I am Mike Thacker. I'm in Houston, Texas. So it's about three o'clock in the afternoon here. The sun is shining. It's nice and warm. Life is normal again. It's been way too cold for way too long. In yeah. Houston. I'm built for the heat. So, yeah, I need it hot. You need a hot. You love hot air. I I'll, like never, I'll never, I'll never imagine that Houston, sorry, Texas uh, will be cold, right? You know, when we see the, all the movies and, you know, particularly, right. you know, the beer, I mean, like always thinking like Texas, it must be burning your scorched earth. But you say it was cold for too long. It's, you know, when we first moved here about 20 years ago, we'd get a little bit of cool weather in the winter, but it was pretty much hot most of the time. But I'm telling you, whether you believe in global warming or not, through the last five or six years, everything's changed. So we've had, we've had months and months where it's been around freezing overnight or a little bit above freezing, you know, 50s in the daytime. Like, I am not built for the 50s, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. I got a bald head. I got thin skin, like I need, I need the heat. So yeah. 70s is cold for me. 80s is tolerable. 90s is nice. 100s, I'm okay. Get my shorts on, get my t-shirt on. I'm good with that. I can sit out on the back patio and I'm, uh, I'm going to be rocking and rolling. But no, it's, uh, it's, it's been six or eight months of cool and cold weather. And that's not what I signed up for when I moved to Texas from England. I already okay. had cold weather in England. I didn't need more of it. <laughs> I'm trying to get away from it. <laughs> Funny thing it is, I'm pretty sure, you know, like uh, you, you heard that one, but I remember my very first flight in England, I told you, 
I was on a plane, a gentleman comes to me and he says to me, you look confused. I said like, yes, I am, because now we cross the channel, beautiful summer over the France and then dark clouds, you know, in uh, over the channel and then in Britain. And then he told me, Mario, you must understand, you know, because he, he know my, my name, because we, we spoke a little bit, so I introduced myself. He said, that's the reason why the Germans couldn't conquer the England because of the weather. Only during wow. the summer was a battle for Britain. Otherwise, it's always cold and gray and everything. So what was the reason why you moved, Mike, from, from UK to, to Houston when you mentioned Yes, yeah, so I was a, an entrepreneur in the UK. I spent a little bit of time working for um, a, a very large company. And I'm also a faith guy. And we had an opportunity here in South Texas to come out and do something with a nonprofit. So we thought we'd give it a, give it a shot, see if it would work out. And so we did that for a couple of years, went back home. And uh, a few years later, figured, you know, maybe, maybe we weren't finished over there yet. Maybe we'll go back and give it another shot. So we came back over in 2007 and been here ever since. So I guess, uh, I guess we're still working at it. You're still working on that. So, Mike, how did you start your career in England then? Where, where you come from England then? And what was your entrepreneurial role, as you said? Yeah, so I, I went to college, studied theology, and uh, finished, graduated, went on to do some post-grad stuff. I needed to get myself a real job, you know, to pay the bills and all that fun stuff. And so I just stumbled into a, a gig working at a, I guess what you'd call like a, a computer superstore, mm-hmm. uh, you know, selling computer gear and, you know, here we call them big box retailers. I'm not sure what you call them over there, but typically these kind of outside of the city center type stores where you can go and get electronics and all that gear. Yeah, yeah. And so I worked there for a few years, made some great friends. And actually one of the, one of the people I worked with there, we ended up starting our, uh, my first business together. We were partners all the time. I've had a partner, never wanted partners, always thought partnerships would never work. And here I am having started a number of, of ventures over the years I actually look back at the one time I had a partner and think, you know, it, it went pretty well. And maybe it maybe actually was a whole lot better than I thought. And if I had a partner now, maybe life would be a little bit easier. So Adam was awesome. And he was a great guy to partner with. And yeah. that was an internet consultancy back in the 90s. So we were, we were doing internet stuff before Google existed. And uh, Google came around. And of course, I was dumb enough to not realize I should buy some stock. Mm-hmm. And if I had, we wouldn't be talking right now because I'd be on a beach somewhere sipping mojitos, but I didn't. And so here we are. I'm still hustling and grinding like everybody else. <laughs> but that was, the, that was the first endeavor that led me into the entrepreneurial journey. And I started about seven or eight things now, I think, in total. Some for-profit, some non-profit. Yeah. But done the rounds for a number of years. Yeah. Okay. So it's a very interesting. It's a very interesting. You, you have the journey. And I'm inviting everybody to come on my website, Mike Takua. Uh, I apologize if I don't uh, uh, pronounce your surname properly, but it's a Mike Takua, T-H-A-K-U-U-R.com. So feel free to come to the, meet Mike and his, uh, his awesome website and services he's offering. But Michael, one thing struck me from the beginning. I was wanted to be talk about business more than anything else, but you are the faith guy. I want to ask you, how much is faith important to us, the humans? How the, our faith is important to be happy in life, to be successful in life? Because uh, you mentioned your domain of faith, you practice the theology, obviously study, and uh, you know, you're talking about faith. So if I'm asking you how important faith it is. 
in life. Yeah, obviously, I think in the world we live in today, a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about faith, about spirituality, and all these kind of things. I, I grew up in an environment where I had a father who was from India. He'd been raised as a guru, which means he was a holy man in Hinduism and had people who literally worshipped him. I had a mother who was from Finland. She'd grown up dirt poor and was raised in a, a Lutheran, I think, or Methodist, kind of very traditional kind of structure. Yes, yeah, yeah. The kid growing up, you know, it didn't really translate to us at all. But there was, there was a moment in time for them where they heard this story of this, this professional lady. She'd been a, I don't know, I guess, some kind of an assistant, executive assistant in a big corporation. And she'd find Jesus, right? This was the story. Yes. And so she quits her job and thinks, I'm gonna go, I need to go tell other people that here's this guy who loves them. He lived thousands of years ago. You know, he, he, the story would tell it. He died on a cross, you know, on behalf of other people when he'd done nothing wrong because he loved him so much. And then he came back to life. And so she quits her job and she goes out to the, the islands of the Philippines, yeah. which, uh, you know, very small islands, nothing extravagant or flamboyant. Yeah. She doesn't know anybody, doesn't know what she's doing. And she gets off the plane and, and you know, prays a, a very simple prayer, like, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? So she ends up going out into the jungles and telling wow. these, these wow, cannibals yeah. about this God who loves them. So she, she's like five foot zero, you know, white, born and raised in the UK, professional, and she's now in the jungles telling these people about this God. And I guess some of them aren't really buying into this story. And, you know, and I'm not sure... I'm going from memory here from a lot a long time ago. So yes. this is the best I can yes. remember it. But um, somehow or another, one of the people is very sick and she prays for them and they get miraculously healed, like literally in an instant. And then another, and then another, and then another. And then before you know it, these jungle guys, they don't want to kill her and eat her anymore because she's bringing something to them that's blowing their minds and telling them about this God they've never heard of and loves them. And she's backing it up with these yes. ridiculous, you know, things that are happening that can't be explained. I mean, literally stuff's dropping off people like growths and things yes. from the story she's telling. And so, you know, my parents hear this and are like, okay, hang on a minute. This is, this is crazy. You know, we, we got to dig a little deeper and figure this out. And so I got dragged along to church as a kid. And, you know, from there, I guess my faith grew, but, you know, now as an adult, I look back and think some people are going to be skeptical and say, no, that's just crazy. That didn't happen. Some people are going to say, well, maybe it did. That's, that's certainly out there. I need to know a little bit more. But the one thing I can't, I can't get away from and I can't, I can't wrestle my way from whenever I'm having a good day, a bad day or anything in between. I look around at the world. I look around at the system that we have, human DNA, cells, people, the way that we're wired. For this to have just happened by chance, seems like a whole lot more of a stretch than somebody made it happen. And if somebody made it happen, then he probably made us for a reason. And if he made us for a reason and we're people, maybe part of that reason was, you know, to get along and, you know, love on each other and be nice and help each other and, and try and bring out the best in each other rather than the worst. And so I think for people who, you know, disagree with me theologically, I think we still agree or we should agree on some very fundamental things as humans. We do better together than we do on our own. I would say that's because we're made in the image of a God who is three people in one. But even if you don't want to believe in that, you can't argue with the fact that COVID was not good for humankind. People's mental state, mental wellness was a whole lot worse when we were isolated and not allowed to interact with each other 
and hang out. And people are generally happier when we get to look at what we're doing now, Mario. We, we're talking on a podcast, you know, we're, we're hanging yes. out on video and it, it changes your day. You, you, you are happy at the end of the day. I know I am when I spend time visiting with people and talking to them and getting to know them than when I spend the day by myself. So, so I can actually yes. not built to be alone. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, you reminded me of the movie uh, Stigmata, Late Night. Did you, did you saw that movie? You never saw the movie? I haven't seen it, but I've heard the title, so I, I okay. think I know what you mean. Uh, so that, that in that segment, uh, the priest talks to the lady, and she was uh, somebody who was loved to party and everything. You know, she has a very active lifestyle. Anyway, it's happened to her. She has a you know appearance of stigmata on her body, and uh, in conversation with the priest, priest told her, "I wasn't priest always. I was the guy who is a scientist going out and everything else." But I don't believe it's coincidence that everything on this planet, from the plants, humans, animals, is just random effect. You know, I mean, it just happened because it must be somebody who make this, you know, organize it sort of like you know, compartments. So he's referring to God, and that's how to find the faith. And the people always uh, talk about faith when I truly believe, when I see from my experience around me, people talk about faith only when things go south, when it's bad and it's difficult. But there is no faith when everything is happening in life. It's rosy and pink. And, you know, then it's nobody important. But when you become sick and, you know, become your business goes down, I can see yeah. people, they, 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 then they pray to God or then looking for the faith. And it's interesting in how human nature, as you said, Mike, and thank you, like, you know, the lockdowns was not good. You know, I'm happy and now I can talk to you. I, you can see the people and say everything else. And I'm glad that you are, you know, you have the, uh, you, you have the faith in your man of the God because I feel, believe that people need to have the more belief in, in not just themselves, but the creator of the, all of this because we can we live in a very turbulent world you agree with me so it's a right. it's a quite yeah, quite we different we do and the thing for me mario is <laughs> you know, people get all excited about religion and tradition and, yeah. and systems and that kind of stuff but but the reality is if you, if you think about jesus as just as an individual human being yeah was there a guy two thousand years ago called jesus who, who claimed to be the son of god and did some crazy stuff and if you just pause right there and look the Bible, non-biblical books. There's tons of history that says, yes, there was a guy who lived. So, so he was a real person. Yes, yes. Most people don't deny that. Even, even other faiths accept that. And so for us, you know, for me as a Christian, I look back at, at you know, at old scriptures and you've got all these things that, that tell prophecies or, you know, foretell this idea. Here's, here's someone who's going to come and he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Okay, mm. well, and it happened. Well, here's someone who's going to come and this is going to happen. That's going to happen. And there's about 300 and something of these things in the Old Testament that yes. span about two, 3,000 years. So when I was looking into this and I was trying to figure some of this stuff out, mathematically or statistically, the chances that a, a number of different people over 2,000 years would all talk about one individual checking all of these boxes was, was the same as a chimpanzee going into a scrapyard and building a fully working Boeing 747 jumbo jet. And it's like, okay, hang on a minute. That's yes. pretty long odds. Yes, yes. Okay, something's going on here because that's crazy odds. <coughs> yes. So evidently that wasn't going to happen by, by chance. Again, somebody had to have been behind it. And so we're back at this intelligent design, creator, whatever you want to call it. But life's too amazing to have just, you know, 
to just stumble along. Is that the reason why you become the, the, the entrepreneur and you started your business? You moved from England from the from the with regrets not buying the not buying Google uh, shares and being like an yeah. Amazon. <laughs> but yeah. you see, like you know, I, I love you. I love you, honestly, Mike. And then you moved to the UK. Uh, sorry, from UK to US. Uh, we know the why you move, but how's your journey in US? Obviously, you knew some people, and you know English. Of course, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a not a problem. But what was it? Just uh, transformation from being in UK to being in US. Yeah, so culturally, it's very different. Obviously, we speak English, so you think it's similar. Just like you know, Australia is you know, an English-speaking country as well, yes, but yes. It's, it's culturally very, very different. I think even more so now than when we came here 15, 20 years ago, just politically and just with the climate of the world and everything that's going on. When we came, we came originally doing nonprofit work, and then we were trying to launch our own uh, charity or nonprofit, depending on what you call it. I think you call it charity over there. Right? Yes, that's correct. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We would in the UK as well. Yeah. And so we were launching a new charity ourselves. And I had a I had a side job just, you know, the weekend just to make some little yeah. extra money while we were doing these things. And then I met this guy one day just by chance. And I was selling, I was selling him something. And he turned out to be the CEO of a, a very, a very unique security company that did unique things for very, very, very wealthy people. Okay. And things like kidnap, ransom, extortion, you know, that kind of stuff. And so we ended up building a bit of a friendship. I did some work for him uh, part-time, like as a contractor, a couple of yes. different jobs. And then I went to work for him part-time, you know, fully. And then, and then that changed into full-time. And then by the time I left there a few years later, I was chief operating officer. So I've been, you know, I've been there about four and a half, five years almost. And that was definitely an interesting time for me. I learned a lot and it helped me grow. I got to meet some amazing people. And it was coming out of that that I launched my current business, which is a co-working business, Flexible Workspace. And, you know, the thought behind that was, okay, look, I can keep working for this guy and, and we're doing okay. Making good money, meet some amazing people, probably never meet them if I wasn't working here. Yes. Definitely some unique opportunities. But I've still got this thing inside of me that says, I want to do something more to help people. I've still got this faith perspective. I've still got this kind of heart that wants to love on people. And so we had this idea, what if we could start a business and we could use it to fund the nonprofit, the charity. So now we can go do whatever we want through the nonprofit side of things because it's all funded. I don't have to worry about donors. I don't have to worry about trying to go and, you know, make a list of potential donors that I can go market yeah. to and all that kind of fun stuff and everything. And so that's what we've been doing for seven years next month. Uh, since WorkLodge started, you can check it out, worklodge.com, W-O-R-K-L-O-D-G-E.com. It's a co-workspace in Houston. We're the oldest co-working company in Houston with the highest reviewed, the highest rated. Um, we've just got a couple locations. So we're, we're a baby co-working company. We're not going to take over the world. But what we've built is something that has a DNA and a heart that's bigger than just itself. So we are a for-profit business, and, and obviously we have to make a profit to be successful. Of course, you must have. You must have paid the bill, so that's... <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, for sure. But we yeah. want to create a great place to work. We want to love on our staff and, and you know, and treat them well. We want to take care of our customers and our, our, our members, as we call them, hopefully a little bit better than they expect. Hopefully they see us make decisions that benefit them. And, and I don't know whether they really do, but as a business... You know, the best way I can say it is like this. People sometimes say to me, Mike, why would I want to go to a co-working space and not just go lease my own space from a landlord? 
And the easiest answer I can give you is you go sign a lease with a landlord. The landlord's only interest is his asset. It's the lender. That's who he works for because he borrowed the money off them and he's going to pay him back. And the asset is what he cares about. You're just a means to an end. That's his real business. For me, as a co-working operator with a heart and a DNA of faith, and also a heart and a DNA of wanting to love on other people and treat them awesome. You know, the Bible says treat other people like, you, you know, you treat yourself, love on them like you'd love yourself. So we try and live that out. So our goal, we don't, we don't have a lender we have to satisfy because we don't have any, any debt. Yes. We don't have an asset that we own. Our really our, the only things we affect are how awesomely we can treat you as a customer and how awesomely I can treat you as my staff. Like, that's it. That's the business. So we're a lot more aligned with the interests of our members. We need them to be successful. We want them to grow so that they'll stay with us and they'll take more space. For a landlord, once he's got you signed in a 10-year lease, it's this thick. He's got you because of the, the contractual obligations of the lease. So we true. Our members that is so we, true, Mike. We want to treat them so great, they would never want to leave us. And so there's a nuance there for sure. Um, but that's what we've been trying to live out. And that's how we've been approaching, you know, this entrepreneurial journey. That's We make decisions that way. We spend money that way. Sometimes we'll spend money on things. And I'll give you a great example. We, um, we built these workspaces and they're pretty big, right? hundred and something offices in each one. I mean, they're, they're pretty big. And so one of the things that we never really thought about is how often somebody would forget their key. So we use, it, we use an electronic key card to get into their office. But unfortunately, some people are a little bit more forgetful than others. And it sounds, <laughs> it sounds terrible. Okay? Yes. I, know, I know another co-working company that charges you $25 to let you in your office if you forget your keys. Yes. Now, I thought, dude, that's crazy. However, as an know. owner, yeah. now that I've lived through it for a few years, and I see, well, hang on a minute. You let people into their rooms how many times a day? Like five, six times a day? Someone forgets a key? Okay. How long does it take to walk from the front to their office and back on average? Well, about six or seven minutes. Okay, well, five or six times a day, six or seven minutes a day. Well, now we're talking about 40 minutes. Every single day, five days a week, that's 200 minutes. That's nearly four hours, three and a half hours. So in a month, I'm spending 14 to 15 hours on payroll so that my staff can walk somebody to their office just to let them in. Well, in a year, that's nearly 200 hours. That's all. That seems like an awful lot of money. Yes. It seems like an awful lot of wasted time. Just for the keys, you know, yes. Well, you know, so you look at all this and you say, okay, so here's how we'll fix this. So we just upgraded um, all of the door locking mechanisms. We have a new system now. Uh, we work with the manufacturing partner to make sure we got something that, that we liked. We can do fingerprint. We can do key code. And we can do a card. So now nobody gets cards. That way you can't forget it. That's a, that's a, clever, that's a clever investment on your behalf because uh, we, what we, the society is going toward biometric security in the first place, which is very right. good. And you are absolutely right. And I'm the first to reflect what you said uh, with a landlord. You know, I, I have a, my landlord for my office. You know, I, <laughs> last, last, I will say... Uh, four months i'm fighting and we just moved in this new office like a, you know maybe six seven months ago and in sydney we did have the rain for six seven weeks it was like a 
it was reverse of Babylon, honestly. It was so wet anyway. The, the rain was coming to the window. And, you know, when we called landlord, there was so much uh, back and forwards conversations. But the problem was that we couldn't find the middle ground because it was this uh, contract always between us. It's our responsibility, our responsibility. And, you know, I went to say, like, well, I can't go out on, on a on the top level, you know, fixing the building and facades and everything else. So you can fix it or not fix it, you know what I mean? So, you know, we're still going to process to the patch the holes because you can see the holes are missing, you know, <laughs> they're missing the concrete in the, in the wall anyway. But Mike, in all your generosity, you know, and your, your, your faith and, you know, being the somebody who's always smiling and I can see like, you know, this is, you've been very positive and a part of being three o'clock afternoon in Houston and 630 here in Sydney. Uh, question to have for you, you wrote a book as well, Mike Drop. Okay, it's very interesting, Mike Drop. And I saw the reviews of your book. Can you explain to us why did you write a book? And uh, would you suggest to other entrepreneurs to write a book? And what's yeah, the book so, about? So, so, you know, part of the story I've been talking through is that, you know, we've been living out this idea of how do we run, you know, a small business and also a, a nonprofit or a charity and how do we fuse these things together and how, yeah. do we, how do we make them work in synergy? And so we've been living this for about six or seven years now. And so the book is really um, a pull on that thread, taking it a little bit deeper because, you know, some, something that a lot of small business owners will say is, well, you know, when I get bigger, then I'll be able to do something. Then, then I'll be able to, you know, do something for my community. Then I'll be able to do something for some other folks. Right now, I've got to focus on me. And, and I understand that. But at the same time, the book is there to challenge that thinking and say, okay, listen, yes, there is a time when you can be too small, but the reality is most of us have already passed that. Obviously, if you're doing $20,000 in revenue in a year, you're too small. You need to be focused on your business. But if you're doing a million dollars, $2 million, $3 million, $5 million in revenue, and you've got reasonable margins, 20% or whatever you want to call them, you're already making money. So instead of thinking all that money is for you, what if you think about that a little bit differently and think about yourself as a citizen of your community, of the planet? Again, for me, I, I, I bring that from faith and say, okay, well, you know, my faith says I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to look beyond me and what Mike wants and think about others as well. I'm supposed to love on other people the way yes. I would love on me. Uh, but again, even if you don't want to believe from the same place that I believe, I think we, you would struggle to argue with me that being kind and generous to other people who need some help is a bad thing. We all recognize everybody needs help. We all got help somewhere along the way, whether oh, it's we had good parents or yes. we had good teachers or whatever it was, somewhere somebody helped. So the book is really my attempt to unravel that and say, okay, let's dig into this. Yes, it's from a faith perspective. But we dig into why we have business in the first place, where did entrepreneurship come from? I see it having very clear traces through the Bible and through people who are in the Bible. You've got kings like Solomon, who were incredibly wealthy, incredibly entrepreneurial. And yes, he was a king of Israel and he loved God, but he was also a business guy who made a ton of money. And the Bible says he's one of the richest people who ever lived. So, you know, that is correct. That is correct. Yes. You know, historically. And so I pull on that and say, okay, well, what does that look like then? You know, if I'm making, you know, a half a million dollars, 
Does that mean that, you know, Mike gets to keep 450,000 or 490,000 and we give the scraps away? Or is there a better way to look at business and see the business's primary purpose for existing? Yes, to service products and, and, and service to customers, but also to be a good citizen within its local community and within planet Earth. If that's the primary reason for existing, then I should put resources into that as well. I should use my staff and their time to further that and maybe focus a little bit less on what Mike wants and a little bit more on what else can we do as a business, not just to serve our customers, but to serve our community. And I think if, if all the small businesses could shift that mindset a little bit more that way, we could have a massive impact in the communities that we exist in. And we don't need to sit back and say, well, the big guys are going to get to it. The big guys don't get to it. The big guys are greedy yeah. and selfish and they want to vacuum up all the profits and do whatever they want to do with them. Usually it's buying back shares because they got no other intel. In it just it blows my mind. Like the best thing you can do with $90 billion is buy back more shares. You could literally kill the world. <laughs> I like it. 10, you know, and you're just buying back shares. Like stop being so inwardly focused and insular. You've made the money. You've been a successful business. Go do something with it. And enjoy but, that journey. Take a little bit for you, for sure, but don't take it all. But you must understand that people, majority, and including myself, you know, when you in the business, you're surrounded with everybody who knows everything. That's the reason I will ask you why Mike dropped the book, uh, which has an awesome review. So feel free and uh, check that book and uh, title Mike Drop. Um, but people are, of course, it's a greediness and. And, and the selfishness, it's in, in, even me, I would, don't worry, Mike, you know, I wasn't uh, always this person. I, I always wanted more, always more, more, more. But then, you know, you, you need to kiss the, the ground or, you know I mean, reach your low point, lowest points in your life to understand what the life it is about. It's not just about money. And you're absolutely right. And the reason why I ask you about your book, it's not that the book it's, itself represents you. But that book is closely related to something called uh, charity, what you're doing. And if I'm correct, it's an FT5K project, correct? Correct. Is that correct? So can you just drive us more into this? Because I like to invite all listeners of listening live, The Butterfield with Mario Beckes and my guest, Mike Dekua. Um, you, you're really a true example of something what society should have more that you don't hide, you know, your humble beginnings, that you have no problems saying, you know, I have my faith, I'm the man of God, I'm here to make the money, but I'm here actually to make a life better for the people, you know, who deserve more. So it's not this selfishness inside of you, but selflessness that you create a better environment for most of, you know, for your clients and the people you want to help. But one of these vehicles, it's a FT5K. So why FT5K, what it represents? Can you share with our listeners more? Yeah, FT5K, it's just short for Feed the 5,000. It just, it was a whole lot easier to type in a, a domain name of oh, like, <laughs> like, you know, okay. about 28 characters. So again, got the idea from Jesus, you know, feeding the 5,000. On that day in the story, he, you know, he teaches people all day and then he gives them a bunch of food because they're hungry and doesn't want to send them home hungry. Yes. And so we looked at that and said, okay, this is perfect for us. You know, this is an example of caring about somebody's emotional and spiritual well-being, but also the practical needs that they have. And our nonprofit is very focused on practical. We build children's homes. We build water wells. 
Here in Houston, we give away food. Uh, we have a, a number of partners we work with. And so we give away, I don't know, about a thousand pounds of food a day in weight, um, translated financially. This is gonna, so we've been doing this for nearly 10 years. It's gonna be 10 years in July. And in dollar terms, that's gonna be about eight and a half to $9 million worth of food that we will have given away over that 10 year period. Obviously we don't buy it all. We have, we have a, a partner we, we work with that is a grocery chain, you know, that donates to us. But in monetary terms, that's what it looks like. So there's a whole lot of people here. Would they die of starvation if they didn't get some free food through our, our program? Probably not. But did it make life a little bit better for them? I think so. It's fresh food and produce. It's steak. It's nice food. It's not canned goods. Food banks can't keep it and store it because it has to, it has to go out the same day. It's, yes. it's, it's a sell-by day. And, and for us, that's been, that's been such a, a humble blessing to be a part of. The water well project that we did over a couple of years, the clean water doesn't just help people stay alive. They use the clean water for farming. And so the crops are healthier, they grow quicker, and they can get to market faster, which means they can sell. I remember I've got a video from a, a Cambodia, this sweet little old lady, and she's talking about the flowers that she grows. And with the clean water from the well, the flowers grew healthier and stronger. So she was able to sell them for more at market. This is her livelihood. This is her business. And clean water was enabling that to be more successful while also keeping her alive all for free because we put the well in and we pay locals to do it so that they have work. And then it's guaranteed for life. So if something breaks, someone goes out there and fixes it. It's a very simple mechanical well. We don't want to go crazy with electronics because we don't want it to break. But stories like that are really encouraging. And you know, how many cars do I need, right? I can only drive one at once. So sure, I can drive a nice car, but I can go to sleep at night knowing that there's a little old lady there growing flowers <clears throat> whose life will never be like it used to be because we spent $650 putting a well in. I mean, are you kidding me? I, I know people who spend more than that going out, you know, for, for a night with their friends. It's crazy. So I don't need to go out and party. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'd, I'd rather change someone's life. I like it something if I can add, Mike, and I'm just listening to you very carefully. I'm taking my notes because I want to make sure that, you know, when we finish this interview, when I add these things, uh, the description of this interview, uh, people understand even more, not just what we're talking about here, you know, the essence of our conversation. The difference between people like yourself and those for Christmas, you know, when they come to Christmas and everybody's, next to Salvation Army, take the mobile phone. It's like, look at me, I'm at donations. And people love to talk. People love to talk about charities. People love to talk about, uh, and I don't go into depth of what charities somebody supporting, but I know majority is at Christmas time in Salvation Army. But what makes you very, uh, very special for me in this conversation for our listeners, that you don't have that fleshy, uh, uh, website, which is like me, Mike, me, Mike, me, Mike, I'm doing this, this, and this. You really need to go deep into the Mike website to understand and see that he actually is not just a businessman, but he's a philanthropist and somebody who who puts his faith into his society and try to help them. Am I correct, Mike? Because, oh, you don't need to say this. I didn't even know in the first place you're doing this charity five 5T, 5K, I apologize, 5, 5,000. And then when I was preparing for our interview, 
um, I realized like, geez, you know, this guy, he's, oh, look what he does this. And also like, it's very subtle way where the people who don't do nothing, they are always you know, on the front foot and look at me, look at me, look at me. So I'm very grateful. I want to say to you, thank you, Michael. We have the human society, well, humans. I wish there more people like yourself who is happy that some lady in Cambodia has a clean water and can grow the plants. And that's what we forget. We're always seeing these uh, masterpieces in our lives, you know, architecture, I mean, which is one be grandiose and everything else, but we don't see the small things making the life the better place to live. So thank you for that one. But uh, for those little listeners, please come on my website, mikeTakua.com, and uh, you're going to find all these answers even more, and feel free to contact Mike, but the book Mike Drop, uh, it's it's something you must to have. Mike, and then I want to talk to you about your YouTube channel, okay? Because you are quite funny, entertaining guy, right? So there is no, see, smile. So there's not just a mic right now, like, you know, let's go to the podcast and let's go help the people and all of this. But Mike has an awesome channel. I kid you not. This is the, another thing I learned. And I said to my son the other day, Mateo, I learned a new expression. He said, which one? I said, I kid you not. And he looked at me, he says to me, dude. And it's like, I know, I know. It's like, you know, for me, that's all new. Like, so Mike, on you, on your YouTube channel, you talk quite a lot about um, technology. Obviously, that's your passion, everything else. And, you know, please check the Mike Takua uh, YouTube channel, subscribe. You're going to be surprised with all, all these beautiful lights and his background and camera is good and everything else. So Mike, your YouTube channel. Okay. Last video I saw from you, it's about some TV. I forgot what is, uh, sorry, uh, PC screen, I put the show and I was in shock, you know, what the people, you know, complained there's no wrapping around the, around the screen or something. So guide us a little bit, little bit more because you're not busy enough with the charity, with your work, with a couple, couple buildings, with a hundred offices, you're renting out as your business, you try to feed people and then you have a YouTube channel. What's the YouTube channel about? Look, we need to backtrack a little, Mario. Okay, okay we're so backtracking a little. Hold so on, hold remember on. my first job? Yeah, yes. my first job was selling computers. Correct, that's what I said. Yes. In the 1990s. So I've always been interested in tech. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the lines, I guess my wife got sick of hearing me talk about gadgets yeah. and buying too many of them and said something to the effect of, look, stop telling me about it. Go tell someone else. And so we had this idea for a little bit of a, a side hustle. Hey, what if we what if we throw a YouTube channel up? There's a lot of people talking about tech, and I've I've, I've been selling tech or using it longer than they've been alive. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm an old dog at this, and I, I remember Windows three. You know, I remember DOS, which most of you probably have no idea what that is. But before Windows was disk operating system, and it was a black screen with yeah. white words. You know, and I had eight kilobytes of memory or whatever. So we put this channel up and thought, hey, let's see whether we can have a little bit of fun. You know, we already had gear. We, we use a lot of tech in the co-working space. Yeah. We had gear because we were filming content to do with the, the nonprofit stuff and some of the messaging around the book that I knew I was going to be filming as I was writing. So we thought maybe we can get more use out of it because it's such a big investment. You buy nice gear, nice lighting, nice cameras, nice mics. Hey, let's let's make the most of it. So yes, I have a tech channel. It's called Mike Drops Tech. You can find it on YouTube. Doing about a year or so, maybe a little bit more, and it's starting to get a little bit of traction. It's still a small channel in the the grand scheme of YouTube. 
you know, scale. but hey, I may, I may have made 50 <laughs> bucks off it at this point. I don't know. And you are right. The, the current video that is the latest one as we're recording today was a Samsung monitor that just came out, the M8. And we may have had a little too much fun in the studio when we were filming that's that a, one. But, but, uh, but that's a life about, uh, Mike. You know, you move the first, the courage to move from one uh, country to another, you know. So we're talking about di distance, you know, UK, US. Okay, but then you go to Houston and, and you know, bringing your, your passion with you into that business and seeing what the people need, uh, write a book and, and still find the time to feed people and working on your YouTube channel makes you very, very unique because everyone loves to project out in the world things, <laughs> how successful we are, but actually sticking with one thing. But you are quite methodological. You're quite persistent in your goal to feed people I mean, feed the people, feed the people, those who can afford themselves and then and the water in Cambodia and everything else. But then having a little bit of fun on YouTube channel, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I don't see nothing wrong because I was watching you and I'm inviting you to come on YouTube channel and uh, watch the mic, how he presents. You will enjoy really because even I was enjoying a laugh in the car. I was driving to work about that new latest Samsung. And I mean, <laughs> when you said... Uh, that screen is not rapid and somebody complained that it's not rapid in plastic. I'm like, God, did, did people really do these things? But it's okay. But Michael, how do people can find you the best? Tell us. How our yeah, listeners can find you. Apart you offering 50% discount, everybody who moves into Houston, get 50% out six months rent of the offices with the mic. Just quote right. Mario Becker. So that's... <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we'll hook you up. Just come okay. on over. <laughs> Um, the best way is mikethacker.com. I'm, I'm not very active on social, mm -hmm. you know, partly from my old security days and partly just because I'm just not, I'm just not that active. Smart but mikethacker.com, you can sign up for an email there. I send them out when I get around to it, you know, once in a month, maybe once in two months, who knows? But obviously YouTube, if you want to watch tech reviews, Mike Drops Tech, YouTube is the place to find it. And, um, and I've got another YouTube channel, which is Mike Thacker. That's more the faith in the business stuff. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to see anything more around there, but that's really the three main ways. Everything, everything feeds off the main website. So if you go to MikeThacker.com and just click around, you'll find the tech channel. You'll find the other channel. You'll find the Instagram and all that kind of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and let's be clear, Mario's very kind here and very, <laughs> and very, very sweet, but I'm really not this awesome. You know, we have other people we, we partner with who, who, yeah. who do things like get the food out. Like Mike's not out there riding a bike, yeah, Mike, you know, going out campus full of food at 7 a.m. and then going into the studio later. I'm just, I'm just like everybody else. I'm trying to figure, figure out who I'm supposed to be when I grow up and, um, you know, trying to have a little bit of fun along the way and, and hopefully not, not offend too many people while I'm doing it. But that's what makes you so like that, that super, superhero with our cape because you, again, you, you acknowledge people around you. It's not just the mic, mic, mic. That's what I said in our interview. I'm with this here in Australia. Everyone loves to be hero around the Christmas time, around the box with the Salvation Army, whatever they call them. Or, you know, I get blood and red cross. Okay, who cares? You know, I mean, their life is going on. But there is no, there's difference between pushing out, you know, I mean, how great we are and doing things as you do in silence. And then you acknowledge other people. So Michael, Mike, sorry, Mike, apologies. It's six forty-five in the morning in Sydney. So my body is still, you know, sleeping. And, and so, you know, usually those interviews are doing afternoons like a Mike, but I like to say 
Uh, big thank you to Mike Takua for being my guest today on Live to Butterfield, which is going to be available after 6.30 p.m. on our website, alive905.com.au as a radio talk show. And it's going to be in a podcast on all social media platforms. The difference between me and Mike, it is I love social media. <laughs> so we're going to post this video on a YouTube. So feel free to check that YouTube channel. Of mine, my Rebecca's, and it's going to be uh, on all other platforms on the audio form of this interview, Mike. So feel free, contact Mike, 50% quote Mario Beckes, 50% if you move in Houston, Texas, and uh, Mike is going to hook you up with uh, good offices. So Mike, thank you for your time today. Uh, really appreciate and uh, wishing all the best and success. I'm hopefully that warm weather is going to stay there for you and you're going to enjoy. <laughs> um, and I thank you once again for being my guest today. Oh, Mario, listen, you're awesome, dude. Thanks for having me on the show. And you know what? I can do 50% off the book. So if you want to pick up the ebook or the audio book, I will send Mario a coupon code. I was afraid to the offices, you know what I mean? For the book is a different story. I yeah, say, I mean, I'll have to see what I can do on the offices. You know, we don't quite make 50% margin, although my... some people would think that we do. But uh, they cost me a little more than that. Yeah. But on the books, I can uh, I can do it on the digital stuff. So you can just oh. use. I think the, I'll send you some coupon codes. But I, um, feel free. I guess you feel, can just feel, post them somewhere. Yeah, feel free, Mike. So I was referring to everybody who's moving to Houston into you know in his office, fifty percent first three to six months with Mike. When it comes to the book, feel free to contact Mike, and uh, you're gonna be glad you did it because that book I'm gonna buy today. You know, honestly, because. I will start reading uh, um, the reviews, and you know, I was just when I saw them people seeing you no know, reviews and drop Mike, and I've said Mike, wishing all the best to you and your family. <clears throat> Thank you for me, my guest today. I apologize as I say, like again, last week, you know, six o'clock in the morning. It's it's a good time to start the day. But it's not such a greatest day, greatest time to do the interviews, you know what I mean? Because I'm the slow, <laughs> you're, you're fast and so these things. But thank you, Mike, for being our guest today. And as I said to all our listeners and viewers, this interview is going to be available across all social media platforms, particularly on the website, alive905.com.au, the radio station, and I'm going to show live the battlefield. And you're going to enjoy, so feel free to contact Mike and enjoy the journey with Mike. Mike, thank you for being my guest today. Awesome. Thank you, Mario. You're a rock star, buddy. Thank you. This has been another episode of Life the Battlefield with Mario Beckish. Please like and subscribe. And remember to catch all of the Life the Battlefield podcast episodes on YouTube and at mariobeckish.com.au. Don't forget to leave a comment for Mario. And if there is someone you know who could benefit from the experience and insight in this episode, share it with them. <laughs>